0: In 2002, Tencent had somehow clobbered up a deal with China Telecom that enabled them to finally break even that year. It was a breath of fresh air for Tencent as they set their sights on diversification. You might find it funny that diversification was even on their minds, but the past year had been grueling for the entire industry. Many failed attempts at monetization had led industry experts to believe that monetizing a messenger business is tough. In fact, It'll take another year before Tencent's Messenger would become profitable. Diversification seems like a smart option out of this industry ditch. Already Tencent had some sticky adoption off their online poker and board games app. So naturally they thought gaming could be their revenue sector. A small team was established and sent out to find a next big hit. At that time, a multiplayer online role-playing game had been building Steam. Its name was Turf Battles, developed by a South Korean company. If you were gaming in 2002, you would love Turf Battles too. It was a virtual spectacle where players could equip themselves with beautiful weaponry in 3D. The team knew immediately this game needed to be licensed in China, and it was renamed Triumph to better suit Chinese taste. With a beautiful game and a clear localization strategy, The gaming division was expecting themselves to make a splash. Of which they did, for all the wrong reasons. Tencent servers were only built for Messenger, and at the very most, online poker. But Turf Battles was built on the server-intensive Unreal 2 engine. The game crashed as quickly as it was launched. This devastated Mark Wren, a new hire within Tencent. Mark had worked for two years in the company, but was desperate to leave his role. It's my destiny, Mark would have told you, of which he would then beg to enter the gaming division. Peculiar, but certain. Mark had believed his destiny lied in either coding or gaming. Eventually making it into Huawei as a coder, he had what people commonly agreed was a great job. But come 2000, he wanted to have his cake and eat it. So he wrote a card and board game, hoping to sell it to Tencent. Pony Ma! this game is probably going to make waves. Mark's right hand was outstretched, perhaps to emphasize the point. To Pony, Mark was bringing back fond memories, back in the day where he was trying to sell his own creation, an algorithm. Mark, I'm not interested in games. Pony was straight to the point. He did, however, show interests in talent, and he had a feeling Mark might just have it. Tell me, Mark, what's it like working for Huawei? It's a great job, but it's not my destiny. Programmers like me are meant to be free, running around discussing ideas, not chained on a table and chair. Pony might have thought he was a funny man, talking about destiny. But maybe Mark was right. In Chinese superstition, a mole placed between your eyebrows symbolizes one's great career development and promotion. Mark's mole was prominent, which also made the man's face seem more determined. At the end of the meeting, Mark headed off, but right before he closed the door, he heard Destiny calling. Maybe you should come work for us in Tencent instead. Without much thought, he left Huawei and joined them the very next morning. As Destiny would have it, he was about to have his cake and eat it. Mark Ren Yushin would rise up the ranks and build Tencent's entire gaming division, which would come to own hits such as League of Legends, Clash of Clans and Fortnite. From 1UP Media, this is Empires, episode 3 of a four-part series, Entertaining a Dragon. Tencent is famous because of its communications applications, which started as a desktop application, QQ, and eventually mobile, WeChat. The latter would eventually have over 1 billion monthly active users, a story for another time. But what might surprise people is that Tencent's main source of revenue is actually through games. In fact, its influence in gaming had become somewhat of a sore thumb amongst the West, and with good reason. Tencent's shark-womb culture which refers to cannibalistic competition within the company, extends even to its subsidiaries. We'll soon learn the devastating impact its culture can have, but let's start from the beginning, starting with Mark Wren's destiny. It's 2004, and Tencent then is very different from Tencent today. In 2004, Tencent was at the precipice of change. It had just restructured, integrating standard U.S. corporate practices that streamlined the company. It also had a truckload of cash from its IPO'd raising $180 million USD in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. With a seemingly stable future ahead, it made sense to diversify and to take another stab at gaming. Tencent had made a fatal mistake of distributing a server-intensive game in 2002, which wreaked havoc. So this time they knew they had to start off slow, with a new team and with someone who really knows gaming. Mark Wren instantly entered the picture as someone who publicly confessed his love for gaming. He began an in-depth analysis on what Tencent could do. In Mark's eyes, Tencent had a major challenge. Its greatest competitive advantage seems to be its millions of user base, but its servers were still unstable to load sophisticated games at scale. That meant that their gaming division could only operate low-bandwidth games. As a result of constraints, Mark recommended releasing something more casual, such as card and board games. He also requested a small team to build up the entire gaming interface. Tencent in 2004 was very aggressive against competition, and its primary mode of response was to copy competitors, almost wholesale, which it did. To Mark, he estimated that growing to 10,000 gaming users would be tough. So he declared to his team, I'll treat dinner with every 10,000 users. In the months that followed, he would have treated them 13 times before struggling to keep up because of one feature that they added. Capitalizing on Tencent's large messenger user base, they added a pop-up. It was the earliest versions of notifications where friends would receive pop-ups from each other whenever they are playing online. This network effect coupled with the feeling of missing out created a large and massive surge of casual gamers. It's 2007, and Tencent has become both a behemoth, but also a bully. At least to the eyes of the media. In the years since 2004, Tencent fended off Microsoft's MSN entry into China and is responsible for the scourge of entrepreneurial discontent. Almost every budding tech entrepreneur with a smart idea is copied by Tencent, then squeezed out when deployed to its half a billion user base. In the gaming front, The team was doing equally well, but it was also plagued with negative perception. They had copied a Korean game titled Crazy Arcade and became embroiled in a copyright lawsuit. By sheer force, Tencent's 200-man lawyer team had scooped Tencent out of trouble, but Mark was worried that they wouldn't be so lucky again. He also felt caught in a position that Tencent's QQ team was not. They weren't exactly a dominant player in the gaming space, at least not yet. The urgency to change his division's public perception was on his mind, and he decided that copying other games wouldn't go well for them. His head was deep in thought, as he headed for a tense meeting with Tencent's management. $50 million is insane, an executive said. Crossfire isn't even successful in South Korea. Made by Neowiz, Crossfire was a first-person shooter game that was launched to lukewarm reception. Let me explain. Mark's tone was certain. China has no first-person shooting game yet, while Korea has tons. The reason why it didn't do well is because it's too simple for them. But to us, it's the perfect level of difficulty for any new player. He wasn't wrong. Learning how to play in Crossfire takes only three seconds. You just point a gun and shoot. But Mark, come on, 50 million? You yourself estimated that the game would only get 300,000 people to play. Do the maths. We're acquiring a user for $167. Mark knew the cost seemed insane on the surface, but he believed in a longer-term vision. I get what you're saying here, but it's not about how much we're paying now. This will open up a gold mine for us in user behavior. The game is simple to play, But it's a play-to-win game. If they don't spend money to buy equipment, they'll reduce their chances of winning. If we get people used to this level of spending, every other game we launch will get easier and more profitable." The executives were warming up to him. Tencent was familiar with what Mark meant. Microtransactions. Already within their communications division, users paying for little costumes or hats was what made it profitable. The question was if users in gaming would spend more. Okay, if we do it, and that's a big if, what's your fallback plan? Mark smiled. Another game, Dungeon Fighter. At the end of the meeting, Mark had somehow convinced the team to trust his instincts, buying up the license for two games in China, Crossfire and Dungeon Fighter. The principle was that Dungeon Fighter was a completely different game from Crossfire. It was a role-playing combat game which had ranked top 10 in South Korea for two years in a row. If Crossfire fails, a well-received game can cover the losses. By early 2008, both games launched and Mark Wren's instincts went down in history. The games brought in 1.5 million people each within a year. The games would eventually generate Tencent close to $7 billion in revenue a year, and Tencent seemed well on its way to becoming a gaming juggernaut. It's 2012, and Tencent has somewhat rebranded itself. Over the past few years, all divisions of Tencent went on a buying spree, taking little to minor, major, and even acquiring companies completely. For Tencent, their biggest and most profitable acquisition was none other than Riot Games, which produced League of Legends. Initially, it came as a shock when Tencent decided it would take a different approach to acquire and grow instead of a copy-to-kill strategy. Everyone was so apprehensive that most believed after their investment, they would eat or consume the company into itself. Nonetheless, it was a welcome change. At least if my company is destroyed, I would be rich with 10 cents money, some entrepreneurs might have thought. Somehow, none of this happened, and Riot Games, despite being fully owned, could function independently, at least for now. But 2012 was also a year of paranoia for the entire gaming division. Tencent's communications team had successfully launched and grown their mobile messenger, WeChat, at the cost of its own QQ Messenger app. This behavior was surprisingly welcomed by Tencent executives as the fear of being disrupted by the competition was so great that Tencent employees rather disrupt themselves. This made the gaming executives look at each other as a desktop first division, Will they be disrupted by the competition? It's time we make our own mobile first game, Mark Wren announced to the board of executives. Everyone grew excited on what's to come. Well, almost everyone. Seated at the far side of the room was Colin Yao, who could feel his stomach churning. Born in 1978, Colin experienced the introductions of computers in middle school, which quickly turned into an obsession. While other boys' rebellions involved fistfights and foolish tantrums, Colin's rebellion was using his father's office computer over the weekend. It happened so frequently that his father became curious, so he decided to test him on the basics of programming. Much to his surprise, his knowledge far exceeded someone of his age. It was almost a dream come true for his parents that his teenage rebellion was to become an expert in programming. Almost, because his son would want a computer which in those days could easily cost months of a Chinese family's salary. But Colin's father recognized talent, and together, father and son went scouting for a computer that the family could afford. At age 15, Colin was the only student in his school to own a computer, which opened up a universe for him to practice his skills. Two years later, the most important experience of his life happened, At age 17, Blizzard's Diablo was released in China. According to him, playing the game and experiencing the game's design had captured his heart. For the rest of his life he would try to get closer to what he experienced with Diablo, graduating fluent in all forms of coding and creating a demo game that somehow landed him his first job in 2000. Four years later, he would leave and set up his own gaming company, Dark Online. An obvious nod to Diablo's Chinese name, but also a foreshadow of what's to come. The next two years ultimately led to failure, taking every bit of wealth that he had. Penniless, yet somehow undeterred, he decided to return to corporate life in 2006, which was how he ended up in Tencent, a company that was ready to fund his gaming inspirations. Colin had been under Mark's team, and within two years, released a successful game titled G-Kart, a Mario Kart copycat that performed exceedingly well, bringing in 2 million users. It was why both Pony Ma and Mark felt confident. If anyone could produce a hit mobile game, it seemed like Colin could. But in 2012, it wasn't the pressure that had made his stomach churn. A few minutes ago, Pony Ma had also announced that The first thing to profit the most as we move into a mobile internet age are mobile games. This announcement wasn't for the gaming team to work hard. This was a call to ARMS, an open invitation for every other division to throw everything they got at creating a smash hit. Colin's stomach was churning because the entire Tencent company of over 20,000 staff will be competing at creating the next best mobile game. It will be a clash of clans, a real battle royale, of which he needs to get on top. It was the late summer of 2015, and Colin was pacing around his studio nervously. The sun had barely risen, and his entire team was in the office. In the past few years, he had brought in all the firepower he could to develop a new game titled... King of Glory. It was a mobile copycat of League of Legends, an almost one-for-one ripoff with some adjustments to reduce server load. This was the first real mobile game that Colin believes would deliver exactly what Mark Wren and Pony Ma had requested, a mobile game hit. At 9am, the game was launched and the results were projected in real-time on the screen. Bit by bit, user downloads came trickling in. For a game to be successful, you would typically expect a sharp uptick and possible positive feedback coming in. But King of Glory was the complete opposite. I don't get it. Why is this game so hard to play? Um, why is it a 3v3 game? Feels nothing like what I signed up for. Okay, that's it. I'm calling this game what it is. It sucks. (laughs) Apparently, the game's reception was so bad that even other Tencent teams made fun of him. But Colin was no stranger to adversity. Having grinded for two long years to bankruptcy before, he sought solace that this time they still have funding and a 100-man team. The winds of change were upon them. The team quickly got to work and made three key decisions. The first was to make it incredibly easy to start and play. This resonated with mobile gamers, as they were naturally less competitive and sophisticated than PC gamers. The second was to make the game 5 vs. 5 instead of 3 vs. 3. Previously, Colin and his team made it 3 vs. 3 because it required fewer characters and lower computing power to produce. This change put the team on overdrive, to create more characters while writing better lines of code for smoother gameplay. As the game started shaping up, Colin might have looked at the name King of Glory and scoffed. There's no glory in what we have built. We accomplished nothing. And he began to think deeper about what the game really is. The game is about collective teamwork, and in doing so, you honored each other's role. He might have smiled when it hit him. Honor of Kings. In November 2015, Honor of Kings was launched, and once again, the team sat down to see the numbers. As far as they could tell, the uptick seemed promising. But did they really create a hit? It would take a week for them to truly find out, because a key metric for long-term success is user retention rate. It is believed that if 25% of your users stayed by the end of the first week, you'll be able to build enough momentum to become a hit. The game had a retention rate of 55%, not on day 7, but on day 30. In the months that followed, the game would become a phenomenon within China, even used as a networking tool and contribute to over half of Tencent's smartphone revenue within a year. Honor of King's success soon started spilling out of China and found its way within America to a gaming studio in Los Angeles. You wouldn't believe this. A Riot employee ran into the meeting room of Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill, the co-founders of Riot Games. As they observed the gameplay and read the character's lore, they couldn't contain their outrage. It's League of Legends on mobile. It's a blatant rip-off. It gets worse. The employee might have pointed at the game development company. It reads, Ten Cent. Riot Games couldn't believe it. Ten Cent. Their parent company had copied them completely and launched the game under a different title. This is unbelievable. Get me my phone. legends lore there lies an area of great magical concentration it is said that the vast unstable magical energy would mutate wildlife birthing giant frogs birds and even serpents it is this very power that attracts so many factions turning the region into a battlefield and what players know as the rift a fitting name to describe the relationship between tencent and riot games to tencent Disrupting has always been the way, most of all internally. And while Riot Games was given the freedom to run its business as it is, it is still 100% wholly owned by Tencent. To Riot Games, there was implicit agreement that Tencent wanted them to flourish. Yet, introducing Honor of Kings as a direct copy and showing intention to expand into League of Legends' dominant markets seemed like a copy-to-kill move instead. Across the years, the Riot team would have a polite fencing with their parent company, Tencent, mostly behind closed doors, eventually settling their differences internally. In 2021, CEO Nicolo Laurent would address the public, sharing that their relationship remains solid. The Riot Games and Tencent conflict is complicated, because Tencent wholly owns Riot Games. Put it in another way, Riot Games works for Tencent. And it doesn't help that Riot Games wasn't clean, either. In 2014, Riot, which was 93% owned by Tencent at the time, had created a Hong Kong branch without informing Tencent. Their intention? To find ways to exert greater influence over the distribution of League of Legends within China. You see, Riot was giving away 70% of its China market profit to Tencent. While initially satisfied with the split, Riot grew to resent much they have given, and naturally wanted a fairer split. They also saw Tencent as being frugal on the marketing of LoL. During this period, Riot instructed their employees not to divulge the stratagem to Tencent. But it's hard to hide such activities on Tencent's home ground. After they were discovered, Tencent stepped into the Riot office and bought up the remaining 7% of the company completely owning Riot Games and dismantling the secret Hong Kong division. By the 2020s, Tencent would come to own nine more gaming studios around the world and become a major shareholder in approximately 15 other studios. At the same time, Mark and Colin would continue to produce mobile gaming hits, including Pokemon Unite under the Tencent gaming development studio Teeny. In totality, They would also generate over $10 in revenue, becoming the fourth largest gaming company by revenue behind Nintendo. But back in the offices in China, Pony Ma and his team didn't seem to be celebrating. Ever cautious and even borderline paranoid, Pony Ma had gotten word that the Chinese government had growing concerns over gaming. Spiritual opium was the term being thrown around. As China entered the 2020s, major shifts were about to happen, and Pony Ma was right to be paranoid. The carps who turned billionaire dragons had forgotten the hand who permitted them. And as a consequence, China's tech market was about to lose trillions. From 1UP Media, this is Empires, Episode 3 of a four-part series, Entertaining a Dragon. Next in Empires we learn about Tencent's greatest creation yet, WeChat, a super app unlike the world had ever seen. It would also mark the peak of Tencent's success right before the great tech clampdown that wiped trillions off the Chinese market. Follow us so you won't miss out on episode four of our four-part series, The Hand of the Jade Emperor. One-Up Media Original Produced and edited by Guang Jin Audio experience by Ethan Sam And narration by Peter Ung A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations While we can't know exactly what they say think or feel at the moment it is all based on research Thank you for listening